You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Before we do our reading today, I just have a few announcements for you. The first and foremost is that today at 225, the Broncos are playing the Eagles, and we will be showing that game here. Uh, We will be having people bring in chili for a chili cook-off. If you have a great recipe, there's still some time after this service to go cook up a pot and bring it here. Um, It should hopefully be a fantastic game and a lot of fun. And if you know somebody who isn't going to church right now, who doesn't have a church home, bring them. This is a really great opportunity to get them through the doors um, to just have a lot of fun with with our Meadowbrook family. Also due today are the Operation Christmas Christmas Child boxes. If you haven't done one yet, I think there are still some empty boxes just outside the doors. You can go fill those up for the game as well. And then finally, on December 5th, we're going to be having a potluck to celebrate the Christmas season um, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to this planet. Today's reading will be from the uh, book of James, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, good morning. Are we on? Am I on? Yeah? Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Um, Welcome to Meadowbrook. If you don't know me, some of you may not, I'm Dan Nelson. Um, I used to be on staff. Um, Now I'm just a real person, so it's been a good transition. But uh, Keith and the staff were uh, at a conference this past week down in Phoenix. Aww. And so he asked me to fill in for him this morning so he could take the time and and just focus in uh, on on the conference and not have to worry about preaching. So here I am. Uh, At this point, uh, if the ushers want to come forward and receive the offering, I just want to let you know, uh, sometimes you wonder, you know, where does my money go when I give? And there's a lot of places it goes, but one of the places goes to provide uh, professional expenses for the staff. And so they took advantage of it this past week. They went down to Phoenix. Aw, I heard it was like really nice, warm, sunny, yeah. Um, but uh, there's a Converge conference down there every year, and Converge is kind of the denomination that we belong to, and so they went down and, and participated. I went last year and two years ago, and it was a good time, and I know we can laugh and, you know, be jealous of them. Well, we don't get jealous, do we? No, we're but anyway, if, if we didn't, we would. Um, to go down there in a sunny, warm atmosphere and uh, be among a lot of other Christians who gather together uh, when it's cold and windy up here, uh, and I obviously give them a hard time about that, but the reality is to be able to go to those conferences is a great thing because, yeah, it's fun, and you get to go where it's warm and sunny, but at the same time, it's inspiring, and it's educational. Uh, you get to build relationships with the rest of the staff. That's an important thing. You get to see other pastors and church leaders that you haven't seen for a year last time you were at that conference, so it's really nice 
to be able to go to that. And so uh, thank you for giving, because that allows the staff to be able to go there. Uh, so I have a question, and I, and I need a show of hands here, if you would. And that question is, has anyone here ever been angry? Really? I, I didn't think Christians got angry. You're not supposed to do that, right? Well, we do. But you remember that TV series, The Incredible Hulk, right? Uh, it was back in, what was it, 1978 to 1982, starred Bill Bixby as David Banner, the scientist, and it starred Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk. And most of the time, uh, Dr. Banner was a nice, mild-mannered guy, right? But it seems like every single week, somebody would get in his face and try to make him angry. And when this happened, Dr. Banner would always offer those uh, immortal words. He would say, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But it seems like every single week, that same person wouldn't take the advice. And they would make Dr. Banner angry. And when he got angry, he would transform into this huge green angry monster, the Incredible Hulk, and he would destroy things, right? We've seen that. Have you, show of hands, honesty here, have you ever been so angry that if you could get away with it, you would transform into the Hulk and talk to some people who, really? I didn't, no. Christians don't get angry, do we? Oh, we do, don't we, sometimes? Yeah. And, and that raises an important question, doesn't it? Even, even if we don't get Hulk angry, but that question is, what's the point? I mean, I understand that we do get angry, but, but what do we try and accomplish with that anger? And I think... Broadly speaking, and there's exceptions to this, but when we get angry, our hope is that, well, it's going to make us feel better, right? We, we like to think that. But that when we express our anger, especially if it's at somebody else, that we're going to make them feel bad for the error of their ways because they don't see it correctly the way we see it because we see it correctly, right? And we want to convince them in our anger that they need to repent and come and see things the way we see them. I mean, that's kind of a broad brushstroke. But does that ever happen? I mean, think about the last time somebody got angry at you. Have you ever in your life, when somebody got angry at you, said, Oh, oh silly me. You know, I see the error of my ways. Thank you for expressing your anger towards me so I could understand correct thinking. I'm going to come follow you now. I mean, anybody ever done that? Oh, you're lying, Dan. Come on. <laughs> no, that's not what we do. But we live in a culture, and Jill talked about that a little bit, right? We live in a culture where and more, and it seems like anyway, more and more people aren't just getting angry, they are getting Hulk angry. And they get into fights. And when they get into fights and conflict, it seems like, to me anyway, more and more of them involve weapons of some kind. Right? I mean, guns, that doesn't surprise us anymore. People bring cars to fights. 
People bring, um, well, I, I read a story of uh, last month, a guy in Norway brought a bow and arrow to a fight and he killed five people with it. We are just angry. Parents fight with and they even kill the parents other parents and referees at elementary age sporting events. I mean, we look around ourselves and today blacks are angry with whites and Republicans are angry with Democrats and women are angry with the men and the police are angry with the crowd and the pro-masker, pro-vaxxers are angry at the anti-masker, anti-vasker, whatever, antis. And, and, I mean, the list goes on. Um, it's Sunday. And what's happening today? Football. And if you watch a game, I guarantee, I guarantee you will see players angry with other players and fans angry with the referees. On a related note, if you come to the game this afternoon, yeah, you better not get angry, okay? This is Christian fellowship. Even Keith, even Keith has repented and he's wearing a Bronco uniform despite the fact of being from Philadelphia area. Don't make me a liar, Keith. Keeping the keys, Keeping the keys. yeah, okay. But I mean, doesn't it seem that way? Everybody's angry with everybody and we get into fights. And the sad thing, if that's not bad enough, is all these fights and conflicts coming from all this anger, it's not just them out there in the world. I mean, it's happening in the church between Christians. We get angry with each other. I read about a fight that, I mean, just Google church fights, and, and it's just nuts, right? Ten billion results in, boom. I, one of them was a church fight in, in um, where was it? Memphis, in a Memphis, Tennessee church, where during the communion service on Sunday morning, two women got into a physical knockdown, drag-out fight. They had to call the police, and when the police arrived, they were still fighting, and the police had to physically pull them apart. It's happening to us. In one church I served as a pastor, the, um, the, the kids' ministry area decided that they wanted to paint the children's ministry classrooms because they were still white from when the building was constructed. And they said, let's brighten this place up. So they painted you know, red and blue and yellow and green. It was awesome. It just changed the, kind of changed the whole atmosphere. Well, about, I don't know, a week or two later maybe, I got a visit in my office from a very angry older woman 50, 60, <laughs> it's not that old, yeah, who laughed? <laughs> yeah, that's a young woman to me, but at any rate, very angry woman who really had nothing to do with children's ministry. Didn't, I mean, that wasn't where she served, but she was ticked that they, had, that they had painted the walls. And I kid you not, she was angry with me about that literally for years that's what anger does. About 25 years ago now, I uh, went to a conference down in Houston, Texas at a church, and uh, it, it, the pastor was telling us about how the church had built a new campus out in, because this was a downtown church, and they had built a new campus out in a new developing neighborhood of Houston. And as he told this story of its development, and it like just opened and he told us the story. And at the beginning of the story, we were like, wow, 
That is so cool that, that what, what the people in that church did, what God did of having this vision to reach out and raising the money and getting the staff and just going through all the stuff that they had to do to open this new campus. But then he told us some parts of the story that were not so cool. Parts about where people who did not support the new campus would stand up in a worship service loudly ex- interrupting it, obviously, loudly express their disagreement and leave. And parts about in the church where people who did not support the new campus threw rocks through the windows of people in the church who supported the campus. Not so cool stories about people who opposed the campus would wait out in the church parking lot after worship on Sunday morning and wait till people they knew who supported the campus came out the door and they would physically attack them. Stories how the pastor got death threats from people in the church. And even today, I mean, that was 25 years ago, even today, Christians, so-called, bring knives and guns and tasers and clubs to worship with the expressed intent to use them against people they have worshipped with. (laughs) They'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, if you have a Bible, open it up to James chapter 4. Ben read for us. Um, I don't know what page it's on in the the pew Bible, pew Bibles, (laughs) the chair Bibles, but if you start at the back and flip towards the front, Revelation, you'll pass three letters to John, two letters to Peter, and then you're going to come to James. As you're making your way there, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, One, um, back in 1993 to 2002, Eugene Peterson wrote a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. A lot of you have heard of that. A lot of you uh, use that. It's very colorful, modern English. And in that, I just noticed the TV's missing. Where's the TV? I was going to use that. Yes! Somebody's going to pay! <laughs> yeah, I'm just like up on things. Anyway, but he, he writes, when Christian believers gather in churches, everything that can go wrong, sooner or later, does. Christian churches are not, as a rule, model communities of good behavior. It seems as if Christians have embraced the worst aspects of our culture and of our politics. We've all seen it, and perhaps we've all participated in it at one time or another. Maybe you're here because you were at that church and something happened and you got hurt and you left. Or maybe, I'm sure this is not the case with us, but you're the person who would do the hurting. I don't know. But we've all seen it happen. And so that's kind of the atmosphere of church, isn't it, sometimes? And, and now we're talking about James's letter. James was Jesus' half-brother, right? Same mom, different dad. After, or about 10 years after Jesus' resurrection, uh, James wrote a letter to other believers 
to encourage them and instruct them in how to live their life as followers of Jesus. Now, James is a really practical guy, and I love that about him. Uh, he, I'm sure he knew his theology backwards and forwards. Uh, he was a leader in the early church, but he didn't spend much time theologizing in this letter. Instead, and again, I love this, just the kind of, I don't know, personality or mindset I have, but he filled this book with very practical, hands-on application to help us as Jesus followers, help us make the rubber of our Christian faith get traction in the day-to-day life. And he shared a little bit about anger. And so we're going to look at that starting in chapter 4, verse 1. And he asks the question, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you. And so there's an underlying premise there. What causes fights and quarrels? Why are you fighting? Why are you quarreling? These believers are arguing. They're getting into physical fights with one another. And he says, what's causing this? Why are you doing this? Well, some of the obvious answers are, well, this, these people, they want red carpet, but we want blue. These people want an organ and hymns. But these people, they want a band and contemporary Christian rock. These people, they they don't want to let anybody in unless they wear a mask and they've been vaccinated. Well, and these people think, no, that's stupid. We don't need those. Those are totally irrelevant. They don't help at all. Some Some think black lives matter. And others think, well, no. All lives matter. It's very quiet in here. Good. See, the modern desires that battle within us, they may not be the same things as they battled about back in James' day, but we still argue, don't we? And we come to blows and even occasionally kill each other over our competing desires. And when we get angry and Hulk-like especially, one of the things that gets damaged, among all the rest, is our relationships. And I think that no matter who is involved or what the issue is that creates this anger, nothing, zero, zip, good comes as a rule from our anger. See what James has to say about about that. He says, you desire, but you don't have. So you kill, you covet. That's a strong word. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And again, Jesus Followers aren't just arguing and physically fighting. They're killing each other because they can't get their way, whatever it is. And then James says, well, you don't get what you want because you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. Okay. Who are we asking? Well, may I suggest politicians? I mean, come on, Washington. 
I mean, if we can just get Trump back into the White House, all our problems will be solved, right? No, wait. If we can just keep Biden in the White House, all our problems will be solved, right? I mean, if we can just build that wall, all of our problems in our country will be solved, right? Wait, if we can just tear down that wall, well, that will make everything work out right. If we can just raise the taxes, well, that'll solve everything, won't it? Especially tax the risks. Rich, no, wait a minute. We need to cut taxes. If we can cut taxes, that's going to solve all our problems. Come on, Washington, fix it. Isn't that what's happening in our country, at least in part? And that raises an important question, doesn't it? Who are we asking to solve our problems? Who are we asking instead of God? And so James goes on. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you can spend what you get on your pleasures. Think about that for a second. God may not give us what we ask for because we're more interested in satisfying our own desires, fulfilling our own agenda, than we are in building the kingdom of God. Wow. And so there's another question. If we could put our requests up on the screen, what would we see ourselves asking for? If you want to turn back to chapter 1 in James, uh, he mentions anger in verses 19 through 20 in chapter 1. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Now, if you're talking to somebody, and you say to them, take note of this, why? Because it's an important point. You're saying to them, listen, I'm going to say something to you, and you can't miss this. Take note and he says, this is what's important. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone. Everyone doesn't leave anybody out, does it? I mean, I wish he would leave me out sometimes. But he doesn't. Don't miss this. Everybody, leaders and followers and liberals, and conservatives, and vaxxers, and anti-vaxxers, and Republicans, and Democrats, and, and believer, and unbeliever, and black, and white, and brown, and yellow, and most importantly, you and me. We can't miss this. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Those are, those are important adjectives, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but I have been working all of my Christian life to follow this advice. Most times now, most, not all, I succeed. Not always, and 
I didn't used to be very good at it. It's hard work. Because it, if nothing else, and there's more, but it, it takes confession. I have to confess that I am more interested in expressing my opinion and conveying my anger and convincing you that you're wrong than I am in you. I really don't care about you and your position or anything. I want to get my way. I'm not interested not only in what you have to say, I'm not interested in you. I'm interested in you doing what I want you to do. Being quick and slow in the right places takes preparation because sometimes we know we are headed into places where we have been fast to anger and fast to speak and slow to listen and that we are going to be challenged in our anger and perhaps even to become the Hulk. And so we have to make plans not to do that. We have to think to ourselves, I'm going to take a breath after every two sentences. I'm going to pause because I know if I don't, I'm going to get angry. I am going to crank up the self-control. Anybody ever here heard of self-control before? <laughs> Anybody ever failed at it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can read more about it. Galatians 5 is part of the fruit of the Spirit. As Christians, that should be a growing thing for us. It's sadly not always. But to think ahead and say, I've got to control myself. And you realize this, there are different ways to listen, different levels, maybe. One way of listening, and, and this is the easy one, I think, is simply waiting until they're done, assumingly we don't butt in, but waiting for them so, so we can speak, because we don't care what they say. We're not listening to them. We don't try to hear. We just want to get our message across. You've never done that, have you? Yeah, me either. Another way we listen is we want to fuel our position, right? We listen to what they say to the words, but we're going to use those words and we're going to twist them and change them and because we want to show them the error of their ways. We're going to turn their words against them. Anybody here ever done that? Yeah, me either. Good. All right. But I think the kind of listening that James is talking about is, is listening, Right? Back in 1989, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody read that book? Oh, great. If you had great book, still, such good stuff. Number five, seek first, first, to understand, and then to be understood. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because to really understand somebody, we've got to know their backstory because we all, all of us have a backstory and nobody knows all the backstory. And so we have to listen to these people and begin to understand what that backstory is. That doesn't mean you agree with everything. That doesn't mean you change your position. But at least when we start to hear that backstory, we say, oh, now I understand why they think that way. Now I understand why they act that way. This, this really came home to me, me in my relationship with my mom. Not going to go into all the details, but when I finally, because it, I, it was incredibly hard to get it out of her, I had to work at it 
for years. But when I finally began to understand the story of what my grandfather had done to, I never knew my grandpa, but what he had done to my grandma, the way he had treated her, and the way he treated my mom, I went, oh, now I understand why things that I didn't even notice would set my mom off. And she and I, man, we would give each other concussions. We would bang heads so hard. I began to understand. I had to listen, and it took work and time, and, and it wasn't fun. But I, I understand the backstory of my mom now. And when we listen, we admit that uh, that, that other person might just possibly, maybe, might know something we don't know. When we listen, we admit that we might be not right. And that's humbling to find that they may know something we don't. A lot goes on in listening, doesn't it? How are you at being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry? Take a look at First Peter. It's hard work. He says the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. To do that, we can't talk. We can't be you know, green and tearing things down and destroying things. We've got to listen. That's what happens when we listen. And, and here's, here's a fun thing, kind of, I guess. Emotions precede our thoughts. Scientific fact, you can look it up. We feel before we think. And when our emotions run high, it, it changes the way our brain works. And our emotions interfere with our ability to reason and to make decisions, and to get along with others. And, and we know this. We've seen it, and we've been part of it. And when we get emotional, you know what happens to our voice? Sometimes it goes up, and it can get really loud. And don't say it doesn't, because you know it does. Right? But if we can just take a breath, and if we can keep our voice down, it can change everything. Just don't get loud. And that will dissipate anger. Isn't that cool? How God made us that way? Just lower your voice. It makes a difference. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle Answer, not an angry answer, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, an argumentative word, a loud word stirs up anger. In them and in us. And so why? 
do we need to take note that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger? Because human anger does not, <laughs> does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Righteousness, it's that quality of being morally right. I like to be right. Yeah, don't we all? But does our anger ever get us there? Does anger make us righteous? Does anger bring people together? Does anger exemplify the kingdom of God? <laughs> no. Anger does not make us righteous. It, it brings out the sin in us. Anger does not bring people together. It pushes us apart, and it makes us dig our heels in because we're not going to listen to them. We, we shut down our listening when we're angry because I'm not going to give in. I'm going to show them they're wrong. I'm going to get angry. Does getting angry... Have you ever heard a story where, where, where people getting angry, Christians getting angry, and somebody says, wow, if that's what it's like to be a Christian, I want to be one? No. And so James says, don't be angry. And so how are you doing with that? You may never be the Hulk. That's really not my personality, I don't think. I think of myself as a pretty laid-back, calm, thick-skinned, you know, patient kind of a person. But maybe you could show the Hulk a thing or two. But how are you doing at handling your anger Paul offers some great advice in Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians 4, chapter 26. You've heard this before. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I usually hear that in terms of uh, marital relationships. You know, don't go to bed angry. And that's good advice. We don't always follow it, but it's good advice. But how do we do with applying that to our relationships with our kids? or our parents, or our neighbors, or our boss, or our co-workers, or whoever it may be. See, my experience is, and maybe this is yours, is human beings as a rule, including good Christian folks, we're not very good at dealing with the conflict that our anger can create. I mean, when we get angry, we mess relationships up to some extent or other, I mean, that's what anger does. And when that happens, our tendency is not, as a rule, there's exceptions, but as a rule, we don't say, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I want to make up. Our tendency, especially when it's not family, but our tendency is to say, I'm going to avoid that person. <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to have to face them about these things because we're not good at being humble. And that's what reconciliation requires, is humility. And we're not good at confessing that we're wrong. We don't like that. I don't. I hate it when I'm wrong. I hate it when I'm the one at fault. It's hard to forgive others when they hurt us. It's hard to ask for forgiveness when we hurt them. And so we stand back from that reconciliation, even when... Our anger and our behavior has caused us to damage valuable, important relationships that we have. 
Because see, at the end of the day, I don't think Jesus calls us to be right. And I don't think Jesus needs us to win. I think Jesus wants us to be peacemakers. That, that's a, a, right from a sermon I'm plagiarizing. <laughs> Jesus preached this sermon once, and he says, blessed are the peacemakers because they'll be called sons and daughters of God. He wants us to make peace, not divide people. He wants us to love one another because that's how people will know we are his disciples, not what our politics are or what our economics are and all the other stuff we throw in there. Our love for one another, and love is hard work. We know that. But that's what brings people together. Years ago, uh, when I was a pastor in Utah, there was a woman in our church who, who knew exactly how to push my anger buttons. And she did it with regularity. And sometimes, and I had to deal with her. I mean, she wasn't a fringe person in the church. Very active and involved. And, and sometimes I would get so angry that I would, I would wish that Jesus would just turn his head just for a moment so I could go hulk on her and you know tell her the error of her ways. Thankfully, Jesus never did and so I never did, but man, I so wanted to some days. So one day I was with another pastor who had been a psychiatrist before he became a pastor, and I, I started talking to him about this lady, and I said, you know, here's the story, here's what happens, what can I do? And I was hoping that, that he would give me some psychological tools that I could use to make this woman see the error of her unreasonable ways. And so he listened to my story, and he thought about it for a moment, and he said, Dan, you need to let go of the rope. What does that mean? And he said, well, you've been in a tug of war before, right? He says, what happens in a tug of war? You, you grab a rope, and you hold onto it, and you pull because you want to drag somebody into the mud, right? But what happens when you let go of the rope? Well, the obvious answer is the other team staggers and falls back you know, on their, their rear ends, and that's amusing. But two more not-so-obvious answers are, one, that other team can't jerk you around anymore. And two, nobody gets drug into the mud. Dan, you have got to learn to let go of the rope when you deal with this woman. And I, I went home, and I thought about that, and when I applied it to that relationship, for me, I mean, it was almost a physical sense of relief because she wasn't jerking me around anymore. And my anger went away. And, and I confess two things. Well, one, um, my anger went away and, and I could be in an, in an, in an appropriate <laughs> relationship with this woman. But I confess two things. One, and I practice this regularly now, it's been life-changing for me to let go of the rope. But sometimes I confess, oh, that's too much fun. I want to jerk him around and drag him into the mud. So I will reach down and I will pick up that rope and I will pull back. 
And my second confession is, when I do let go of the rope, I never warn them. Because there is this internal satisfaction when I imagine them falling backwards onto their butts. So, I don't know, maybe that's a, a bad thing, but that's just my confession. But anger is nothing good. And James says, next one, leave, please. Be humble. Be ready. <laughs> Better word than prepared, maybe. Forgive. Got to do that. Take a breath. Just listen. You don't need to talk. Deal with it sooner than later, right? Don't let the sun go down. Keep your voice down. And for me, out of all of those things, let go of the rope. We're going to have communion. So if the ushers would prepare. Um, part of the ritual of communion that we go through, part of the scriptures we typically read come from 1 Corinthians. And, and Paul says that you know when we come together to eat the bread and to drink the cup, we need to discern the body. That otherwise we bring judgment on ourselves. And I want us, uh, when you get the elements, take those. Don't, don't consume them yet. But we're going to take just a few minutes, not a long time. And I want you to discern the body. And I don't know exactly what that means, but what I, at least part of what I think it means is to consider your relationships in the body. So perhaps you need to look around the room and say, am I angry with somebody or is somebody angry with me? And if you are angry with them, perhaps you need to go and speak to them. Maybe, maybe not right now, that's okay. But perhaps you need to think, I shouldn't let the sun go down. If, if they're angry with me, perhaps you need to go and ask some for some forgiveness. And not let the sun go down on your anger. And so we're going to take just a few minutes to consider and to discern, to listen to what God may have said to you through my ramblings about whatever he chooses to speak to you. And then most importantly, most importantly, Decide what you're going to do. Make a plan to do whatever it is God said you need to do. Don't just think about it. Plan it. So let's take a moment and pray and listen to God.
Lord, hear our prayers. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he passed it around to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And remember and celebrate the peace and the reconciliation and and the forgiveness and the restoring of relationship that Jesus' death brought between us and him and the peace and the reconciliation and the restoration and the forgiveness that we can have with one another. Lord, we thank you that you made us the way you made us. And we confess that um, we don't always act, live, think the way you want us to. And we get angry and we sin. And that sometimes we are quick to speak and quick to get angry and we don't care about listening. And we damage relationships with other believers And that damages our relationship with you. But God, we thank you that you forgive and we can forgive. And so God, I pray that as you have forgiven us, we would forgive those who make us angry. And that your peace would be in our hearts and that we would be peacemakers. We thank you for your love and your forgiveness and your patience with us. And so, God, I pray is that as we go from this place, we would reflect you more clearly in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good afternoon. Hope we see you back here for some football. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.